so you own your business, but do you own your business? <laughs> We've got Ashley Fillingham here to talk all about what owning your business really means. It's episode 96 on No Boring Stories. Let's get into it. Welcome to the No Boring Stories podcast. You know that you can use storytelling to captivate your audience, clarify your message, and grow your business and impact like never before. That's why I'm here. Each episode bringing you transformative stories, expert storytellers, and my signature storytelling tools all to help you tell a better story. Because there's no such thing as boring stories, just boring storytellers. I'm your host, Alex Street, and I have never stepped in a courtroom. Not for myself, not for someone else. It's all a mystery to me. Well, today on the show, we've got someone who is no stranger to the courtroom because she has lived in that place for many years, working corporate litigation for decades, rising up as a partner of a firm and stepping in to be a storyteller in front of juries and judges. She has worked it all. And now she's helping entrepreneurs protect their businesses so that they can tell their own stories and create their own things and always feel like they are protected and own what they've got. Ashley is an incredible storyteller. She is a speaker. She is an entrepreneur herself. She is here to help you do what you are here to do in the world. And you are going to get that right off the bat in this conversation. She is such an incredible human, such a beautiful soul to listen to. And as she shares her story, I find there's so many moments in this conversation that it sparked a new idea for me. So my role is just to kind of draw attention to that, assuming that it's sparking new ideas for you as well. And that's what you're going to love in this conversation. You're going to hear about what it means to be a public speaker, what it means to uh, protect your own business, what growth looks like today and throughout this journey. And you are just going to fall in love with Ashley and all that she's bringing. Absolutely want to take the next steps to protect your business after this. So here's my conversation with Ashley Fillingham. Welcome back to the No Boring Stories podcast. I, of course, am Alex Street, and I am joined by the ever wonderful, ever calming presence of Ashley Fillingham. How are you, Ashley? I am, you know, happy with a bit of chaos, you know? It's so good. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> It's so good because I just, I, you know, to introduce you as this calming presence, you're like, yeah, but actually there's chaos. Like, it's just good. It's, it's, it's there's a little bit here and it's, it's, and yet within that, this is the sense that I get from you. Every time we talk, uh, you know, you've hired me to do, to do work with you. We've talked really, you know, monthly for the last what year or so. And, uh, every time I just feel like there's this, <sighs> now let's get to work. And yet Thank here you, you are, you're like, but it's chaos. <laughs> Yeah. Well, isn't that life? I mean, it's, it's a balance of all of those. Look, um, Alex, am I going to cry today? Because every time we do work, I cry. <laughs> do you have your tissues ready? Are you good? Here's the thing about you having worked with you, you hold space for people in a way that is so safe to get down to, and you think you're doing business, but really you're doing life and you're amazing in this space. So mm. I just want to thank you for that. 
That is, that's beautiful. I'll receive that and um, let's get into it. You know what? Now it's a personal mission to make you cry, but it's, (laughs) no, no, it's never to make someone cry. Wait, I got to think of that, right? That's not it. That's, it's to, to, to allow you to cry. Maybe that's what it is. Yes, it's exactly that because it's cathartic every time. Mm -hmm. Sometimes folks just need that release and that safe space to do it in and to feel heard and seen. So. Mm -hmm. Mm. It's nothing like a good commercial to just release that cathartic cry in me when I see that. Um, so, okay, let's. Uh, we're going to dive into your story and all the things that you're doing. I want to specifically start by talking about, you know, uh, you've been doing a bunch of speaking opportunities recently, going actually into a room with a group of people and using your voice to share your own unique thoughts. What a concept. I love this, and I've had the privilege of, of course, being on this side of it and helping you prepare for some of those. What is that? Talking about storytelling and all these things, we'll get into exactly what you do and what you're talking about. What has that experience been like for you to step in and be like, look, here's my thoughts. Here's what I've got to share with you today. I've been invited into this space, and I am excited to take this time and speak. I have to tell you, Alex, this has been a fascinating case study for me on a personal level, because Mm -hmm. for years, I represented large companies in high profile, high stakes litigation. Mm -hmm. And by virtue of being trained by these companies and a very large law firm to do what I did in the courtroom, I was taught by actors and screenwriters to tell stories in the courtroom in order to appeal to and persuade to juries. But I left that world to start my own businesses and have been gifted with some stage opportunities and speaking opportunities in which I have to tell my own story, not a company's story, not a defendant's story in litigation, but my own. And that requires a whole different level of vulnerability. Yeah. And it's a little bit more, even if we're talking about business concepts, obviously you have to weave your story into that. And it's a whole lot more vulnerable to be talking about your own facts versus somebody else's when so, it's, yeah. So there's the, I love this and, it, and the teasing here of, of your story and you know, right. So I, I hope, you know, my, my listeners are going right now, what's going on in their brain is they're going like, Ooh, that just opened up a story loop where we want to know how did you get from there and what was that situation like? How did you get into that? And then to get to here where you are now, lovely little tease there. So that's fantastic. We will get into that. But here, speaking about the, the vulnerability difference between speaking about a company toward like in the most what high high intensity space, like this is it's not life and death typically, but it's, was it, I don't know, maybe there's millions of dollars on the table in the, the case. Sometimes, sometimes billions, but you know, I, I argued in courtrooms, in, mm-hmm. in trial courtrooms, in federal appellate courts, in the Georgia Supreme court. And it's fun. You have to think on your feet. You have to be nimble. You have to know the arguments. You have to do the analysis right there totally different ball game than talking about yourself and your own business. Is there a vulnerability to that, to the, like in the, the courtroom? Is there, is, 
like what level of vulnerability do you think there was there? Was there a sense of if I screw up, I'm out, I'm toast, I get... Oh, I completely. Get, what, what was that? Yeah. Or, okay, let me give you an example. I was given this client who very much wanted to be to appeal a decision from the trial court. And they basically wanted to tell the Georgia Supreme Court that the state couldn't tell it what to do, that the state had to follow federal law. Mm -hmm. So, okay, that's a little bit nerdy, but it was a loser argument. (laughs) I'm sorry, but it was, but you do the very best you can and you find the very best angles you can to represent your client. But I knew going into the Georgia Supreme Court that I was going to get slaughtered. I was going to get the hardest questions ever. And it was so vulnerable in that moment. Yes. Do you feel like that's you? Like, is everybody actually looking at you or does everybody in there actually thinking like, um, I mean, she's just, she's got to be the one who takes the beating here, but nobody could step in there and and do anything. So God bless her, you know, like, is it, was it that sense or is there actually a sense where you feel like I'm less, I'm not good enough? You know, again, that, Mm -hmm. what's that sense of, okay, that's a really good question. So in that moment, yeah. I had to just let go and engage in the intellectual exercise. And I think that the justices did too. They sort of just, we had a good time together (laughs) and maybe there's a little less of your person and maybe just your, you know, your Uh legal brain going and, and that was fun. But I'll tell you in the jury work that I did, it was incredibly vulnerable down to what do I wear? What shoes Mm. will not push the jury in the wrong direction. How do I connect with these folks in a way that's authentic? And that is hard on your feet, in a suit, in heels, having to talk lawyer language at the same time. Mm-hmm. That's very vulnerable. Yeah. That is you. Like that, that's, that's the thing. That's, that's you showing up. Yeah. And yeah, if, if something didn't work, that's what you're saying is like, it comes back to what decisions did I make in the moment? Yeah. So then bring that to, right, public speaking, now sharing your own thoughts. And you're like, this is a whole other level of vulnerability. What's the difference? What's the elevating factor for you that that changes that? Well, some of it was that I was rusty. Hmm. I hadn't had time on my feet in a while. Yeah. And so it's almost like starting over with dealing with the the demons that pop into your head when you stand in front of a group of people. And so it Wait, which are reps. what? Let's just just go on that a little bit. What are what are some of those demons? Because this is the thing, right? This is where people are going, like, yeah, yeah, those demons. Then we're gonna identify them here, and they go, like, oh yeah, oh, yeah, that's the okay. One. Yeah. Well, I want to hear what you see <laughs> um, when I get up there. At least the initial when I started getting back in the process of this, mm-hmm. it was what if I don't say the right thing? Mm-hmm. The lawyer analytical thing comes in the perfectionist voice in the back of my head, you know, says, oh, you said, um, too much, Mm -hmm. or, oh my gosh, what, what if I trip in these heels or what if they don't like what I have to say, because I'm sharing my own story. Have I gone too far? Is it too personal? Do they really rather hear about business? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? Yeah. Yeah. So many of those. And it's yeah. so funny because, yeah, you're like, no, it's those demons. And the demon is like, what if you trip over your shoes? Like it gets so specific, these lies, mm-hmm. these these false truths that are in there that are speaking to you, that are rising up in those moments. 
And I, I think, again, as I've done this work for a long time, not just with myself and tried to identify what is this stage fright that I still feel like when I go up, what are these feelings and where are they coming from as I've tried to process that and now have worked with so many people on the other end and trying to help them identify and go through those. It seems to be like on the surface level, there's this fear of like, what are they going to think of me? So that's mm -hmm. audience based. It's like, will they receive it? Will they accept it? Will this help them? And that's looking out of the audience. But then there's this like, what if I screw up? Which is the, if I stumble over my words, if I don't say what I planned on saying, it's not saying the right thing at that point. It's what if I don't prepare well, right? Right? I, I mess up. What if I trip over my shoes? Whatever. So there's this them, there's this me. And then we go deeper and we're like, shoot, what if I'm not good enough for this? Yeah. What if I don't deserve Every this? time. And that's where the fears actually begin from. And then they come out as this like, no, I'm just afraid that I'm going to stumble over my words. Like that's such a surface level thing that's rooted in this cause of you don't feel like you're good enough. It always comes back to, am yeah. I enough? I actually have mm -hmm. a necklace that I wear sometimes in sticky situations that says enough. Mm. I am enough. And I have to remember that. But something you just said sparked something in me. There's us, the speaker, yeah. and then there's them in the audience. And for me, sometimes it's incredibly daunting because there are speakers in the audience. Right very polished speakers. Yeah. So there's that, but there's us and there's them. But when I started to shift it to thinking about the collective, mm -hmm. about the we, about, can I just get up here and share from my heart and make it about us, the, the collective, mm -hmm. it got easier. It got more authentic. It got better. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I've, said before it's not about us and them it's not us versus mm -hmm. them it's not right. about it's not even us with them it's just mm -hmm. us yeah we're just all here and yeah. you you are just you have been invited to have this opportunity to share to use your voice and share your thoughts because we as a collective yeah we're saying good like it's your turn take yeah. take the floor speak share what you've got share what you've experienced and so you're saying as you have embraced that, it's becoming easier, that vulnerability is th thinner, I, I, thicker. Like, I don't know which way to go with that. It's, it's less. Mm. It shifts oh, the energy. Yeah, okay. It's still anytime, anybody that says I get up on stage and I don't think twice about it is, you know, come on now. Yeah. But it shifts the energy from oh my gosh, what will they think of me to, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. And these butterflies in my stomach are about connecting mm -hmm. with the universal us. Yeah. One of my and favorite speakers and, and authors, Rob Bell, he says, like, he still gets nervous. He spoke mm -hmm. on stage on the Oprah tour. Like he goes, you know, worldwide touring to just talk on stage for two hours. He says, I still get nervous. And, you know, it's the, the old ad, like, if I don't feel nervous, then I'm not doing it right or something like that. But he says, mm -hmm. it, it's actually the nerves, the nervousness reminds me that I'm still alive. Oh, and I love, oh, I love that. Right. That's because so that, good. that means that I'm putting something on the line here. That means that I'm yeah. connect. I, what I have to say is, is going to connect with other live humans. Yeah. And if that's the case, then yeah, let's get to it. And let's be Isn't nervous that where it's about at? it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So 
I guess let's just, let's let me you know, put a little bow maybe on that that speaker portion of this. What would you say for those that are thinking? I want those opportunities, but I am terrified of that. I I don't know if I can stand up and do that. I don't know how you do that. My stuff is too complicated. My story's too too messy. Uh, they're not gonna like like they are all those things that we just said that are holding them back. They're sitting there thinking those things. You know, put you on the spot here. What kind of advice? What's kind of a an encouragement that you would have for someone in that position? Step into the discomfort and simplify. I think the the best messages are the simple messages. And expertise is taking something complex and making it simple. And so those are the two things. Just step into it. Try it. It's going to get better every time. Or you're going to have, you're going to be doing this for years and you're going to have one day that you get on stage and you walk off and you go, oh man, that was a bust. What can I learn from it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Expertise right. is taking something complicated and making it simple. Yeah. Mm. Share your expertise, baby. So, <laughs> okay. So this is what you're doing, but let's talk about like, what is this? What, what are you doing? What is your main work now, including the speaking, but what are, what are you speaking about? Like what, what's the main work that you're doing now and what's the impact that, that you're seeing as you do this work? The main work I'm speaking about in, involves, I, I'm an attorney. I now represent entrepreneurs mm-hmm. and I help them get their legal foundations in place. So one of my challenges is to make that fun and interesting and entertaining. Mm-hmm. I have a personality quiz we won't go into about how your contracting personality, the way you contract, the way you look at contracts affects the way you do business with your with your clients or the people you're collaborating with. We talk about conflict and how to manage conflict because I did big, nasty litigation for 20 years, which was, I fought for 20 years for a living. Advocacy uh, that could be translated into what we do and how we share our message in the business world as opposed to the stage. Mm -hmm. And then finally, one of the hottest topics right now to me is in our culture about First Amendment Mm. rights in in the states free speech mm-hmm. versus censorship and cancellation and deplatforming it's a major issue for content creators right now in how they build their business around wow. their voice ooh so a lot of people are coming to you saying somebody's coming to me saying that I stole their idea or, not so much or somebody's stealing what, my idea <laughs> What if you have a podcast yeah. okay, and you're sharing your voice and you're sharing your opinions or you're, it's not even your opinion. You're interviewing somebody else mm-hmm. about their opinion and you send out an email to your group that says, here's my opinion, or here's the person I interviewed. Here's what they're talking about. And the platform that hosts your emails, that hosts your online courses, that hosts all of that says, I think this might be misinformation and I'm going to shut you down. It's called deplatforming. We're taking people's voice away. And under what circumstances is that allowed? Wow. Most of them because it's a business, but I think it's a really important conversation that we start to have about how we share ideas. Mm -hmm. 
Hmm. That's so interesting. Ooh, that's so good. Like even the idea of free <laughs> speech, what is free? Like, and you just touched on, you're like, it's most of it's allowed because it's a business and that's kind of Twitter conversation, isn't it? Like Twitter yes. could actually ban whoever they want because they're a private exactly. enterprise. Like they can do whatever. So there's this mirage of it's free and I can do whatever I want on this platform that is actually owned by this person, this person, this person who get to do whatever they want with it. Yeah. I just recently hmm. gave a talk at PodFast and what I said is you are building a house on rented land. And when you do that, just know that you're doing it, mm -hmm. but have a backup plan. Mm. Isn't that, oh, that touches. It's just every time somebody says, it's like touches all my fears. So much of my work is done on Instagram, right? So much of the yeah. conversations and everything that I do there. And, you know, my effort is to, I know I know that and I do have, mm -hmm. you've got your email list and you've got other platforms that I kind of touch on, but every, so much is done there. It feels like if that were to be taken away, that would be such an immediate, there'll be like the windows being knocked in in my brick and mortar yeah. store, you know, like, oh shoot, yeah. I got to shut down for a while while this gets right. fixed. So what, yeah, how do you set set up for that? But it just, it just touches on my fears so much. Oh, <laughs> did I gonna, touch a nerve? You're going to make <laughs> me cry today. Um <laughs> So this is amazing because what you're doing, you're stepping in, you're helping these entrepreneurs and, and ultimately helping them what would it feel like they can do what? So, you know, when you start to think about how do I advance the needle? How do I move forward in my business? One thing that could happen, a lot of entrepreneurs don't think that having their legal foundations in place helps them move forward in any way. It's yeah. not creating content. It's not bringing in clients, it's not connection and all of this, but one thing it does do, contracts are relationship builders and relationship sustainers. And so what it does, even if it may not help you feel that you're moving two steps forward, it does make sure you're not moving two steps back mm -hmm. when conflict happens. And no matter how warm and caring and compassionate a business we're building, conflict is going to happen. Right. And it's preparing for that. And so this is this because we've had these conversations, right? About, yeah. about okay, so I sit here as somebody who's like, oh, just let me be free, baby. Like, let me go out and just do whatever I want to do. And you're saying, what? I need a contract? Ew, yucky. Like, you might as well put a straight jacket on me. Like, let me just go and dance. And and that's that's the immediate image of that which i know you're sitting here going like no alex please don't call it a straight jacket it's not because and and you've told me this you're like it it sets you free like when you get yes. this it's 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 what you need to go and create freely it's true it guides hard conversations mm. so if you are deciding to do business with someone like let's say that you and I decide to create a course together hypothetically right if we say okay first we're going to at least agree on how we're going to do this and we're going to put it in writing on how we're going to create this together who's responsible for what where does the money flow what happens if we decide to discontinue this it causes us to have the hard conversation up front and it further cements our relationship mm -hmm. because we're having hard conversations. Mm -hmm. And then let's say that one of us doesn't want to do it anymore. Mm -hmm. Then we've already talked about the hard stuff. And it, it, it there's a freedom in that to be able to go back a couple of years later and say, oh, this is what we agreed we would do. It at least is a starting point for the conversation. Yeah. 
it's so good. I just, uh, I'm, I'm working with, uh, I'm collaborating with someone right now and we're, we're hosting our own mastermind together. And it's the first time that I've done something that big with somebody. We've done a little collaborations here and there. Um, but as we were talking about that, we kind of came up with the idea and then we're like, yeah, let's go do this thing. And then as it got going and we were both out there trying to, you know, bring in clients and like, who's going to be part of this thing and invite people in and do all the work that's necessary for a launch. Um, one day I, I texted her, I was like, Hey, can we talk about this? And she's like, Oh no. <laughs> I got on the phone. She's like, you're not quitting on me. Are you? Like, I was like, no, 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 no. I just want to clarify yeah. what you expect of me and what I expect of you and, and where, what the plan is for all this. Cause we were just, we got into it so fast. We were just, just running. And then it just required this conversation that I was dreading. Ashley, mm-hmm. like dreading having this conversation because what if yeah. it's too much? What if uh, she doesn't like me after this because I pushed some buttons or whatever? And of course, what did it do? It freed us up to do this more uh, more powerfully together and more open, more honesty. It actually, as you say, strengthened the relationship. And then that wasn't it. There were contracts that were put into place after that. So don't worry about it. That makes me so happy. I, I love hearing that because it really does. The contract is relationship builder. There we go. It really forces you to have some hard conversations. And I've done it too. I accidentally own a wine shop where we got so excited about what we were building that I'm a, I'm a deck, I'm attorney. Mm-hmm. And we just bulldozed straight into the yeah. shop and did it and didn't have those conversations at the front end. While I, at the same time, am advising people to have conversations at the front end, it happens, it's human, but I love what you did to course correct. Mm. Like that, even as you're saying that, I'm thinking of three more examples of friends that I know that that's happened to where they, they just bulldozed into something. This is a great idea. Let's go create this coffee shop, this course, this program. And then it just broke down. It's not that it ended in disaster, but it broke down and somebody ended up having to carry more weight or maybe eventually it did break down. But I, I just what's showing up for me is just how universal that idea actually is. We think it's so far off maybe, but so many of us have experienced that. And you're saying what you're experiencing and how you're stepping in is simply saying like, here, like here's a really practical tool that you can use to start this relationship in the right way. And you actually love to like start those conversations, have those like difficult conversations or at least provide a space for it. Is that right? Yeah. Well, it's, it's kind of, um, there's a lot of coaching that goes into putting together a contract. Uh How are you going to do this? And asking the hard questions on the front end. Yeah. It's, it's a good thing. It's a good business tool. So, okay. So here you are doing whatever you want to do with this, creating freely what you want to make and talking and speaking on stage and saying your own thing instead of what needed to be said in the courtroom and whatnot. Let's go back and, and just see, I mean, yeah, is, is freedom it? Is it, is it, again, is it creativity? Like what's the end result that somebody will feel when they have all this, they work with you? What's that end thing that you think that I would feel as you coach me through this. Yeah, I think that most of us have a to-do list, right? An action item list, if you want to be positive about it. And there are things on that to-do list that have been on there for a a while, 
mm-hmm. and you look at it and you go, ah, maybe tomorrow or maybe next month, but it's always there. You know, it needs to be done. Gosh, if you could just cross it off your list, you'd mm-hmm. feel so much better. You know, you need it. It's like going to the dentist. Come on now. Hey, let's get it done. There's a, a feeling there. And I also think there's a lot of clarity that comes from thinking through this angle of our businesses as entrepreneurs, we are business owners mm-hmm. and getting these things in place reminds us and empowers us to be an owner of mm. our business. Ooh, mm. so there's something about owning, owning what you've got. Yeah. You're like, if somebody works with you and walks away, they're going to say, I feel like I, I own what I've got. I also want folks to feel empowered to not need me after a while. Uh-huh. I want to teach folks enough. And I think there's this view of lawyers that you pick up the phone and the, and the meter's running, the clock's going. Yeah. And so you talk as fast as you can to get off the phone with your lawyer because you don't know what bill is coming in the door. Mm-hmm. I want the very opposite. I did that for years in a, in a very large, very wonderful law firm. But I'm interested in a different business model where your attorney it walks arm in arm with you as you create your business, understands your business deeply, mm-hmm. has the fun conversations about what you want to create, and then teaches you how to do some of this legal stuff to where you feel more and more empowered to step out on your own as an owner. Okay, so... This is where we let's rewind a little bit. This yeah. idea of ownership, empowerment, again, f- like freedom, that's important to you, right? You sit here and like, this is what I want to do. And it's not to do this, the billable hours thing. It's not that sort of, I don't want them to be worried about what that looks like. I want them to feel empowered, free, own, like you can hear the passion coming out in your voice. So where, why? right? This is the story. Why do you care about this? Where does that begin for you in your story? What was that like? Where did ownership empowerment show up for you at a young age, as a kid, as a teen? Like, where does this passion come from? Well, I mean, you know my story. Oh, I know. I'm cheating (laughs) a little bit here. I'm just... (laughs) This is about suspending reality for just a second here and and, and (laughs) pretending I don't. But also, there's something new that I'm going to hear here for sure, no doubt. So, absolutely. But yeah, I mean, I don't don't think that we've, that you and I have even used that word ownership really Mm -hmm. in our work, which I think that's what I'm, I'm intrigued here because I think that's key. That's so important. And I love that. And I hear that. And I see that in your work now. So, yeah, I mean, growing growing up, you know, what did you feel like you didn't have control? You didn't have ownership of what you were doing? Did you did you start a business when you were when you were a teenager? Like what was the No. No, I was I was um an only child and I was adopted as a baby and two wonderful parents who loved me very much, Mm -hmm. but as an adopted child, if you look at the psychology of it, and and I also now have two children, one of whom is adopted. uh, So I've studied it extensively. Mm -hmm. And something that adopted children struggle with is earning their keep, 
mm. wanting to make sure that they've earned this gift they've been given. Um, and so I showed up as the, the show pony, you know, yeah. um, straight A student, president of my class, you know, leadership positions in college and then, you know, law school, because that, that wasn't necessarily my dream, but it was the dream. Yeah. What, at what point does that become a conscious decision? You're like, okay, yeah, as a kid, you know, you're sort of doing this and then you look back and, and, uh, you know, 2020 vision, uh, mm. uh, you look, you're like, oh yeah, no, at eight years old, for sure. That's what I was doing. I, do you remember at some point that became a conscious decision? I'm going to earn this. Funny. You should say it was, it was about seven years old. Okay. Yeah. About seven. In, in addition, my, my mom was, um, an incredible woman. She was, uh, my, both my, my mom and my dad were uh, middle school principals. Mm-hmm. And so leaders in their own right at public schools, helping kids, uh, on a day in day out basis. Um, but my mom had a, a pretty fragile ego. And so, if I said something that was not in line with what she thought, there could be drama. Mm. And so I learned to just chill and, and, and keep the peace. And then I continued to do so in my career, in my marriage, um, and, uh, you know, just keep the peace and whatever is on your mind, shut it down, calm it down, mm-hmm. and just do what needs to be done. Do the job represent the client, make partner, look the part, do the things. For self-preservation or for the, yeah. Yeah. Some of it's self-preservation and some of it was, you know, I'm an, I'm an obliger. I like to make people happy. Right. And figuring out that line between, am I, making people happy at the sacrifice of myself to the point where I have mm-hmm. nothing left to give. Yeah. And that's the, that's, yeah, I'm not sure what the other kind of phrasing would be, but there's self-preservation that I'm going to do what you, what I think should be done so that I at least stay safe, right? Yes. Middle of the road. Don't stand out. Just going to do this. Even if it is standing out, like, yeah, I'll make partners. So you're actually in this, standout position, but it's what I just need to do to survive. This is what I have decided. Self-preservation. But then the other one is that people pleasing of like, I need to make sure that you, how do I make as many other people happy or please them in whatever way I perceive that they need to be pleased so that what like i feel like there's some noble cause in that there's some noble um core in that of like how do i help people of course i want well, it's people out to be of love happy. yeah it's it's purely love but it's kind of like this you, it, some of us don't stop to question what do i actually want or mm-hmm. if i'm going for this goal that's seems to be the next right thing what does that actually mean like making partner at an international law firm. What does that look like? I just wanted to make partner. I didn't ask enough questions. Like, what does that actually mean for me, my lifestyle, my family, all of this? It's kind of like the dog that chases the car. Dog, what are you going to do when you catch that tire? (laughs) And so you spend your life doing this, chasing the car. Yeah. 
And it's a car you don't even want. You said you're like at law school. I don't know, whatever that was. Like, what would you have gone into if, if it was just fully you, if you were who you are now back then, what would you have leaned into, do you think, as far as school goes or future say, career? I'll preface it with this. I'm super grateful for um, my path in the law, what it's taught me, the people I've met along the way, the incredible experiences that I have been given as mm-hmm. a result of that. It's all gratitude. Mm-hmm. But if you had asked 21-year-old me before she went to law school what she wanted to do, man, all I wanted to do was be a flight attendant and see the world. <laughs> and write about it. Now we've come full circle Uh and I kind of do that now, but yeah, that's what I wanted more than anything. Well, that that's beautiful, right? Just that we've come full circle. Actually, that's where I would say you're just, you've, you've completed the arc, you know, it's, it's the, there's something, there was something inside you that wasn't being realized. There was something inside you that was being suppressed, something inside you that was facing a barrier. There's this something that was, how do I just be me? How do I, how do I see what I want to see? How do I, again, be free? How do I own what I've got, I guess, is where we're at now. Yeah. But the barrier seemed to be, I got to earn it. I guess I've got to earn what I've got. I have to to be right. I have to show pony. I have to be what they want, please. So then that barrier continues through and then you get into law, you do what you do, you excel, you thrive. And you're, as you said, I want to touch on this because you're like, great, I made partner. This is beautiful. But I didn't ask the questions or I didn't look at what that meant for my life. So what was that path? What did that mean for you? How did that shift and and come to a head? Well, I want to say that I think a lot of times we think folks are putting these expectations on us and maybe we're just projecting what, or we're assuming what we think their expectations are. Mm -hmm. So I, after two children, I had postpartum depression that turned into major depression that turned into okay, how are we going to solve this problem? About the same time, I discovered podcasts, which I love that we're doing a podcast interview today (laughs) because podcasts saved my life. They turned me on to, you know, wellness and mindset and personal growth. And they made me start asking questions like, what do I actually want Mm -hmm. in my life? Who do I want to be? How do I want to show up? What are my values? What matters to me? What matters to my children? What, what career path is actually going to make an impact in the world that I want to see? And so it took some time but I started pulling threads and I started thinking about the world in a different way and, and asking questions. Yeah. What, what did you podcast saved my life? You said, oh, yeah. what, uh, what was, what were some go-to ones? Cause you know, you find a podcast and you just, then you, mm-hmm. you, you download the whole Binging. series. You just listen yeah. all the way through until you get sick of it. And then you go on to the next one. One of those guests shows up and says that I have my own podcast. So then you swing over there. And, uh, yeah. who, did, who did you come back to again and so, again to start? I tried my very first case with um, a a fellow named Bobby Lee Cook on whom they based the show Matlock. Hmm. 
And the lead trial attorney in that was a gentleman named John Lucas, who's an incredible trial attorney and mentor and friend. And about seven years ago, John shot us all an email, his friends an email saying, my daughter, Ella is starting a podcast. This is back before podcasts were a thing, right? This is early in the podcast days. I said, what's a podcast? And he said, you're smart cookie. You'll figure it out. So I download Ella's first podcast and, um, I just was amazed by this incredible woman. She's so bold and vibrant and confident and curious. And I just went down the rabbit hole. So I binged everything Ella had to say. Um, I was also on a wellness journey at the time. So I followed Sean Stevenson, who really breaks down the science on um, nutrition and and Mm -hmm. how all of that affects our mindset. And then I found a great podcast called Food Heals. Hmm. And my friend, uh, Allison Melody, and at the time, Susie Hardy was a co-host. And they were talking about green juice and vitamins, but it was sort of in a funny, light, sex in the city way. Mm-hmm. And I, at a time that was a very lonely time in my life, I could put these gals in my earbuds, or we didn't have earbuds back then, but in, yeah. the, in the ear, right, whatever they were at the time, the things with the cord that attached to your phone, <laughs> and and just learn and let loose. So those are my three initial podcasts. Since then, I've you know gone down many rabbit holes, but sure. yeah. and you host your own. I, almost right. Not yet. I ran into the attorney ran into a little trademark issue, which we can't discuss, but oh, we're okay. working through it. Well then. Yeah. Okay. Well, great. <laughs> but that's going to be the, that's going to be the true give back kind of to this story is you're like podcast saved my life. Hey, I'm going to go and create my own and who knows who it's going to reach. I am working on one. Yes. I'm super right. excited about it. Like, where was that? How long ago generally was that where you're like at a really lonely time, I started to put other people in my ears and feel like I wasn't so alone. Six, seven years, no, five or six years ago. And then what, what is that? Then what happened? Yeah. So the, the long and the short of it is that I, I sold my wedding ring and I booked a trip to Italy. So I sold the wedding ring and the very next day I was driving along, listening to the food heals podcast, my friend, Allie, you now my friend, Allie, but I didn't know her from Adam at the time. And I like literally pulled the car over to the side of the road and sent an email to the info at and said, and it was, there was a, a, an announcement food heals is going to Italy. So I pull over to the side of the road. I send the info at email. I'm going, whatever it is, whatever it takes, I'm going, this is not me. I'm a corporate gal. I'm straight and narrow. I, I, I know who I go on trips with, but I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't care. So off I went. And as a matter of fact, the, um, the cost of the trip was to a penny what I had gotten on selling my ring on the resale to a penny. So we trust the universe and we get on a plane and we go to Italy and I meet these incredible women, 10 women who are entrepreneurs and they're talking about building businesses. They're talking about multiple streams of income. They're talking about passive income. They're talking about laptop lifestyle and working from anywhere you want to work. And I realized that these incredible women, as we're hiking the path of the gods with cliffs overlooking the sea, have not signed a waiver, have not done anything to protect their businesses. They don't know what they don't know. And I, I fell in love with this. I fell in love with helping creators protect what they're building with so much passion and joy. 
Hey, you want something for free that's going to help you with your speaking? Here it is. When I started out speaking, I had no confidence. Eyes locked on my notes or off on a wild tangent, fidgeting and pacing all around the stage. I wasn't getting asked to speak where I wanted to, and I felt like I was wasting my time and my audience's time. So you're booked for a workshop or a keynote and the date is fast approaching, or you're hoping to land some speaking gigs as extra income, and you don't know where to begin. If you don't get extra help, you'll be embarrassed, you'll waste your time, and you'll lose relational connections. And I'm sure that you can be a more confident speaker and transform your audience. That's why I created the Make Speaking Magical video course. During my 20 years of speaking to crowds, I've learned five main tricks that help me walk on stage with confidence and make sure my message sticks. I've been repeatedly asked back by event organizers, spoken at workshops about these tricks, and coached individuals on putting these techniques into their talks to give them confidence before a nerve-wracking presentation. So whether you're speaking on a big stage or on camera or on a podcast or around the dinner table, the Make Speaking Magical video course will give you everything you need to speak with confidence and transform your audience. And right now, I'm giving away two modules of the seven module course for free so that you can learn to connect with your audience and then really put all this into motion to make your speaking magical. Go ahead, get two modules of the course for free right now just by going to my website alexstreet.ca you can find it there or find the link on my bio in my instagram hurry though because this is only going to be available for a limited time isn't that i whoa but that just that just touched me so much like what that just showed up was i immediately just imagined this is what's so beautiful your story becomes our story. And I see myself in your story, right? You're just telling your story right here. And I am finding myself in it. Never been to Italy. I was never a part of that. Never heard this podcast. I, I, I have no interest in contracts until they need are necessary in my <laughs> business. And yet that idea of I was with these people, seeing them thrive and listening to them thrive. And then I, I realized they don't have what I can bring. They're missing something. The fact that I see that they're missing something means that I care about that thing. It's something that I can bring. And this is something that actually you've been doing for decades at that point. Yeah, I, but uh, but for Fortune 500 companies. Right. So that conversation is very different. Yeah. But also as it turns out the same, because at the end of the day, um, some of the cases that I did, I call them corporate divorce at companies, two big companies that have worked together for mm -hmm. years and suddenly they're not working together anymore. It's personal, right? It's painful. And so whether it's a fortune 500 company or two entrepreneurs who have decided to collaborate and build something beautiful together, it's personal mm -hmm. and how we structure that relationship is really important because I can tell you in those big cases, the litigation, what always ended up going to court and what always ended up being incredibly painful is companies that were not clear on the front end, how they were going to work with one another. There was some catch that they right. just didn't talk about. Yeah. And so you bring that in, you're, you're seeing all this, then you step onto this, into this, you're eating pasta with these ladies and drinking wine. And you're like, wait a second, you're missing something. There's something missing here that, that isn't being talked about. 
uh, wait a second, I want to protect what you're building because we're having these really super fun, mm-hmm. really, um, our conversations about business and growth and all of these things. And I'm thinking, oh gosh, I could, I could help you. So I did, I did that for a couple of years from the law firm doing it for friends and family, not charging my friends, but just, right. you know, making sure that they're protected because I love them. Still working for your Still law firm. working for the law firm. Right. And then one day I bought a little fixer up for at the beach. Like when I tell you, I look like I live with the golden girls. That's the real truth. Bought a little fixer upper at the beach in Florida. Got my toes in the sand, got some clarity around what actually lights me up and who I actually want to help. The beach will do magic for you that way. Mm-hmm. And one day I, I walked out of my corner office and, and traded high heels for flip-flops and started building businesses on my own. And here I am talking to you. It's so good because, and this is, this is what I, you know, I always kind of focus on is you've got these, these amazing visuals and, and title shifts and all these things that, and these are often the way that people tell their stories is, you know, I went from high heels to flip flops and and that's my story and it's great. And it's a starter and everything, but, mm-hmm. but what really matters, what we really identify with is no, 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 but the feeling that you felt in that law firm, something in there made you leave, not made you leave, but something in there was not who you are. It was who I was for a very long time. I loved the fight. I loved the drama. I loved the high profile. I, I loved the um, discourse, the debate, uh-huh. the teamwork, all of that. It was a great place. But at some point I changed mm. and it was no longer in alignment with who I wanted to help or um, where I wanted to be. I, those are great people doing really yeah. fascinating things, mm-hmm. but I just, I'd done it. I did it. I, I wanted to do something else and help use the skills I developed there to help a different group of people and to start talking about stuff that wasn't law. I wanted to start talking about how we structure a life, how we build that for ourselves, not just a business. Hmm. And so here you are. Here I am. Owning your life and still in the chaos and still facing it, but facing it happily, I guess. There's this sense, you said happy in the chaos right at the start. Oh, yeah. You have to be. You make up your mind. That's a choice. You make up your mind to be happy in the chaos. So... Okay, so you tell me then, what is this story, as we've just defined it, we've described it here from seven-year-old you kind of consciously making these decisions of I need to earn this, I need to be a certain way, getting into law school, rising up in the ranks, facing this moment where you're like, no, I'm out, I've got to do this. Like, I, I go to Italy, I see that there's this opportunity to help people really significant, unique, individual way to empower them. I go back, I walk out of my corner office, and here I am now helping people in just that way and speaking on stages around the world. Well, I know that you, Alex, having worked with you um, in the last year, you've really helped me think through a lot of these things. I know you like to go from one thing (laughs) to another on the story arc, right? Uh And so you might say it was conforming to creating. Uh You might say that it was performing to connecting. 
performing to connecting. You might say that it was acceptance to ownership. I don't know. Mm. You you riff on it. (laughs) I love it. I think I was going to say, because yeah, I remember, you know, the work that we, that, that we did, of course we do that. And that's the main effort for me. That's the way to, to clarify this whole big confusing story. Imagine we could get it down to two words. Imagine that. And on one hand, of course it simplifies it to a level that like, no, my story is so much bigger than that. Yes, of course it is. But if you can do that, if you can say, generally, I felt like this and generally now I feel like this. And that is what I'm passionate about to bring other people through. I love in this conversation, this unique one, I love this idea of ownership. I came in, of course, knowing your story and thinking, yeah, it was like accepting to creating. And and so there's more conforming to creating, right? There's this, I'll be what you need me to be. I'm going to go and make my own thing. And all the years and experiences that are between that. But this idea of acceptance to ownership is like, what is that? What's acceptance? Hmm. Yeah, I don't know if that's the right word. There's something that earning again. I, out. There's something else there. I was even yeah, thinking earning. Like earning it to owning it earning. or something. I don't know. Um, yeah. Oh. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, ownership is my word for the year. Do you have a word for the year? Yeah, I do. It's courage. Oh. <laughs> what? What is? What's ownership? What? What? Why is that your word? Why on December thirty first were you like, this is what I'm going to look at? You know, maybe folks can relate to this. I I left Big Law and I I launched not one but two but three businesses and it was a scramble and I don't think I really understood what I was getting into right in particular a brick and mortar business on the side but I think what has helped me is I've been through this journey that I advise people about right I actually am an owner and I wanted this year to start, okay, now I've done the initial launch. I want to start really stepping into what that means to be an owner, to take ownership Mm. of not just my businesses, but my life and how I want to show up and be intentional in that. And so that's how I landed on ownership. And I guess that's how we landed on that topic for the right. day. Well, I, and I love that. And yes, you see some folks can identify with this and that's exactly, I think the shift that I'm making even in my business right now is going from like, Hey, I can do something that, uh, you know, the, the book, the e-myth talks about this so well. Mm-hmm. And I actually did a whole Such podcast a on this. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And going from, uh, what is it? Technician, the person who just does the thing, mm-hmm. does the skill. Sure. I can show up and I can help people tell their stories. Great. And I built a business on that, on just sharing that skill. But at some point you have to shift to become manager. You have to shift to become owner in the language Mm -hmm. today, to own this thing that is a business that actually includes, of course, this technical aspect, but is so much more than that, has to be so much more than that for it to be an actual business. Well, it takes courage, Mm -hmm. your word. Well, there we go. That's why I'm here. It takes courage to do it. Yes. because. It requires you to show up in a bigger way. It totally, and, it feels like a totally yeah. new way. Feels like I'm yeah. learning totally new skills. Yeah, and you're right. It's, Where would it's be the scary. fun if we weren't learning new skills and pushing and doing things that required us to have courage and to show up and take ownership? Like, where's the fun in that if, if we're not stretched? It would be a pretty boring story. 
That's for sure. <laughs> no boring stories here. No None. boring stories. <laughs> and and that's that's what you've brought to us today. I'm so grateful for you, Ashley, and sharing all the insight. I knew I could ask you absolutely any question today and you would run with it. And again, that's just the, the character that you are, the person that you are and how you show up. And so I celebrate you, the, the changes that you've made and the focus that you have now. I'm excited about where you're going with this and how you're sharing your thoughts and your work with people and how you're going to help so many business owners own their business. So thank you for showing up today. As somebody wants to connect with you and says, yes, I know I need to do this work of getting contracts, of doing the legal stuff, getting all of that in line so that I can actually own my business. What's the best way? Where should they find you and start that conversation? Yeah, I just want to thank you <laughs> for being part of my journey and part of my story. You're amazing. If folks want to reach out to me, I have a on Instagram. I really dig that platform. And there I am at Kick Ash Law, mm -hmm. K I C K A S H L A W. And uh, my website for my legal work is sandstarlaw.com. Fabulous. Excellent. So, uh, you know, if somebody's been listening to this, they know what kind of person you are and your character. And I expect that they'll reach out to you. So, your true joy. I thank you so much for your time here and for everything that you brought here and for sharing your certainly not boring story. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. This has been No Boring Stories. I am Alex Street and we are just getting started. I'd love to know what you thought of this conversation. So please feel free to reach out to me on my website, on Instagram, or in the Fearless Speakers Academy and share your thoughts. In the meantime, honor this conversation, go out in your life, and tell a better story today. We'll see you next time.